Yo, welcome to the My City Podcast. Yo, 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 welcome back to the My City Podcast, episode 44, Landmark. After you almost destroyed the 43rd one. <laughs> Big Landmark 44, I don't care if it's not a whole number, 44 is a good number still. Um, you got your boy Big Sam, you got your boy Ire, he's saying. How's it going people, how's it going? And you got Mr. Bobby Dean, how's it going mate? I'm good man, you alright? Yeah, good, 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 thanks a lot for coming on, Mr. Bobby. Um... Bobby was the actually I'll let you let me not mess it up, lad. What was your yeah, um, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> who am I? Um yeah, so I guess I'm on the pod because I've uh, run in the last two general elections. Mm. So I was the Liberal Democrat candidate for Lewisham Deptford in twenty seventeen and the election just gone in twenty nineteen really? in December. And yeah, no sound through football <laughs> and on, uh, he, he knows about this and so come on and have a chat about politics and and some of the big issues out there at the moment. Cool. Sick, it, sick. So uh, b- before we go into that, uh, if you haven't already tuned into episode 43, and we had our lovely friend Charity uh, who flew in for the States, and we t- spoke about Shout out Charity, um, you know, the 2010s, 2005s, and you know what we're looking forward to in the 2020s, spoke about black culture, how that's changed over the years. Uh, we did a little review of, of um, the last year, and some you know predictions and some goals for this year. Mm. Um, did we do anything else on that? That's pretty much it, you know, still, man. Check it out if you yeah. if you, already. you know, uh, it's just recently we dropped on Spotify because Sam almost destroyed the episode. <laughs> uh, so if you didn't see a Spotify before, it's there now. Um, and moving forward, Sam, do you want to lead the way? Okay, cool. So as we said, we've got um, got a guy that works, um, you know, in the political sphere, does a few other things. So um, today we want to touch on a few um, topics with you. We want to sort of look at youth violence, look at what's currently being done to tackle them, to tackle it, um, look at maybe some racial undertones and maybe how the media presents some of the issues in London versus reality, um, and also look at maybe Brexit, from um, get some of your um, opinions on it, and also we will do a bit of spotlighting on you to basically kind of talk about how you got to where you are for any youngsters that want to follow in your pathway. And also, this is a very unique opportunity because um, Bobby you know, is working in the political field, as uh, Sam said. <coughs> so, you know, we haven't really had, I know we spoke, we've had a few conversations in the past on politics and Brexit. I don't think we've ever had someone who's been this close, mm. who's been disinvolved in like, mm. you know, being a member of the government. And uh, so we're going to talk about what it means to be an MP, uh, what MPs can and can't do. Like, do they have any power? Or is there, are there organisations like, you know, um, B613 <laughs> pulling the real strings <laughs> behind the scenes on a mafia, right? Yeah, fair. Um, and then we'll talk about how you actually became what your actual journey is and I guess that'll be involved in the spotlight and then obviously we've, we've spoken in the past about violence uh, gang culture mm. uh, but I don't think we've had it, um, a view from someone in your position we haven't had it from a view from someone who's even part of the authority part of the body uh, we've always had our own discussions our own, our own yep. thought pieces as yep. members of youth who live in ends mm. but we've never had someone else outside um, from different views, who's involved in legislation, who wants to be involved in that kind of consultancy, uh, give their thoughts on that. So it's just interesting to hear the kind of thoughts you have and what you see um, in your industry, like what kind of how how they view it, and um, yeah. So cool, 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 cool. Right then. So if we start with youth violence, then um, I guess a big reason that I'm so passionate about talking about it and trying to um, tackle it is because I witnessed a lot of sort of youth violence growing up. 
um, a lot of black on black crime. Um, and pretty much every time I saw black people on TV when I was growing up was because, you know, some sort of, it was negative, basically. Um, so do we want to sort of touch on what we think youth violence is? So what, 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 what would you describe Bobby, like youth violence to be? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess violent crime is something that's going to involve physical altercations, sometimes including weapons. But mm. I guess the thing that people perceive this issue to be most about at the moment is in particular knife crime. Yeah. Um, and more more specifically, the, the rise in knife crime, because, mm. right, people have always been able to access knives and use them in an attack, right? Yeah. At any point. And, you know, knife crime is not a new thing. Mm. You know, it's been happening for ages. But the, the problem... Yeah, the, prob the problem at the moment is the substantial increase in, in it happening. Mm. Um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on a couple of statistics, actually, just to put oh, it into... going to like you, but yeah. he, like, he likes his stats. Just, to put, <laughs> just, just to put it in perspective as well, particularly in yeah. relation to the race point that you mentioned yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So it is true that I think around two thirds of under 25s in London involved in knife offences are black. Okay. But when you look at it across England and Wales, that goes down from like the 60, 66% to 38% right, okay. of under 25s. Okay. So that's not the majority. Okay. And if you if you just want to talk about all knife-related crime of all, 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 of all kinds. In the world. Or uh, no, in, in England and Wales, and you'd want to take out the age factor, then the percentage of people that are non-white mm -hmm. are 27%. Okay. So this isn't solely a black issue yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's it i guess it becomes it becomes perceived as that because mm. in london disproportionately that is the case but i i would like to suggest that that might be more down to sort of class and economic disadvantage so formerly glasgow used to be the knife crime capital of the country yeah we've got the vru yeah. and, and whatnot and and <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, they, they, the they are. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> the violence reduction unit. Don't worry, Google yeah. it, bro. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're looking to Glasgow now for solutions because they managed to to get rid of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this this tag has been the knife crime capital. But when they were the knife crime capital, that wasn't anything to do with um, you know the black the population the there. Social, yeah. So so it, I think we do need to just <clears throat> make sure that we separate this out. So yeah, it is true that disproportionately black males are, are under 25 are involved in, it in London, but that doesn't mean that knife crime is per se a, a, a black violence issue. Um, and I think that's really important to make yeah, that distinction. 100%, but I think what you hear from a lot of people is that um, disproportionately, I know you said disproportionately there's um, more black um, there's a high percentage of black on black crime in London, but people also say that there's actually a higher proportion of black people in general yeah. in London compared to other parts of the country. So I guess what the naysayers will say is that if you extrapolate that um, that sort of uh, the word, that sort of trajectory to other parts of the country, so if you put more black people in um, Exeter or York or them places there, that you will also see that trend be higher mm. in those parts of the country. But then I feel like those kind of, um, that way of thinking can resonate in the way things are reporting. And I know you said it's facts that, you know, two thirds or the, the statistic that you said mm. of black people, of, of the crime is committed by black people. But I feel like there's many more factors like, what about the unreported crimes? Mm. What about the fact that we are literally only able to know what's what's been done by what's been reported kind mm. of thing. So um, 
do you feel like like what what's your opinion on the media because i know a lot of people that i talk to and i know my opinion as well is that i feel like there's a lot of biases and it does promote a lot of propagandas but do you have those sort of opinions yeah well, i mean the, like, the media is completely biased in its reporting of mm. um crime and the way it over emphasizes the role of black people but i think that bias exists across our our nation right in yeah. pe- it's not just the media construction this is what the broader population mm. has these biases as well like Stormzy got in trouble the other day right for saying like <laughs> is, is it 100 percent? Oh, yeah but like it's it's, it's it's it, it, and that story got twisted out of all proportion mm. um but this this exists in our nation people have these perspectives and uh, and that is one of the tougher parts of this i i think in in some senses you, you i kind of want to get away from um, the race part being relevant to the causal drivers of the discussion, as okay. in like what causes it? Because by by talking about it as being a black issue, it almost infers that there's something to do with blackness that relates to knife crime. Which is our point, yeah. But 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 to me, it's not the the real cause is a kind of like social social and economic disadvantage. Mm. Uh, it's a lack of public services. It's cuts to policing. It's cuts to youth services, and all of these things can happen in any poor neighbourhood. Now it just so happens that in London, some of our poorer neighbourhoods are made up of more black people. That that so so that that's that's the reason why in London those figures are higher. Not because it's anything to do with, with someone's race, but because of the conditions that black people might find themselves more often in in, in London versus mm. say Glasgow, mm. when I, when it was a knife crime capital there, it would have been vast majority of the people white involved people. that would have been white, but mm. I, I, they would have been poorer mm. and they would have had less opportunities. I mean. Did, did, it's a it's a complex issue at this rise in crime, but I think the root of a lot of crime is nearly always um, social and economic di- disadvantage, right? That's mm. because because people see more opportunities to better themselves in through criminal routes than they do hundred out there yeah. it, out there in the system. And once you realise that's the core of it, you realise that we can't talk about knife crime like this single issue that can be addressed with like i don't know policing or something yeah, like that. it's, it's too one-dimensional yeah, yeah. like the the solutions to this is always going to be very multi-dimensional mm. and has have to cut across the way we construct our whole society really 100%. no definitely and when we get into solutions of course mm. we will start to de- delve into a bit of them i just want to clarify that of course i know it's not a black issue but i feel like a lot of the frustration that we have is that it, it is painted that way mm. by a lot mm. of the media and i know what you're saying i know what you're saying about you know, um, so in in some regards, maybe they feel like they're reporting facts, or and in some regards, we know there's biases mm. and we can't really get away from them. Mm. But like I said, we do like to look at solutions and try and find the root cause of yeah. what's what's causing that and how we can tackle that yeah. kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So where you said just before we move on, where you said there are race, um, there are biases that exist. Yeah. Do you do you yeah? Do you have any solutions as to how to tackle? Well, you know, representation goes a long way, right? I mean, I don't know how many black journalists there are at the Sun and the Daily Mail, mm. for instance. You know, like once those newsrooms change, then people's perspectives might change as well. Yeah. Um, representation is always uh, an issue. Mm. Um, obviously, we are living in like a new media age now. Oh, yeah. So, so this, is, I mean, like this very podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. You're able to get out there to to, to people through your own a lot means. Of people, and bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and and like maybe new media is shifting like people's opportunity to hear that mm. in different perspectives on mm. things as well and that might help change 
the whole perception you know we spoke about Stormy just now yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, you know he has this clout in the UK now because he's mm. a big entertainment artist mm. and maybe he's going to when he says things about this about race issues he's going to get to shift the dial on it for some people yeah, and create create conversations that otherwise people just wouldn't have had and they would have just stuck with their biases yeah. so um, it's it's a difficult one but like I, we're talking about shifting deep seated mentalities in people and that behavioral change takes takes time but i think representation is is key and and like making sure that people have platforms to be heard and to hear different Mm. perspectives and definitely Uh, someone someone who works in the um, political environment from what you see know me from peers or colleagues or even people you're around how do they view the issue because obviously you've brought out a number you've tried to view it as from an objective logical standpoint about any biases yeah uh, for those listening um, Bobby the Caucasian uh, male guy yeah. uh, <laughs> going to enter his 30s very Essex soon Essex boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right but uh, you can see that he's um, ten- he's chosen to view the problem from a logical standpoint objectively yeah. Yeah. Um, now in terms of your colleagues and the people you meet on your political journey how do they view it if you, if, if you can share well obviously there's different perspectives that's what politics is right there's lots of people with different views um uh, the, the colleagues that I'm closest to, I think, are coming at this from a similar angle. Um, so, there was I was speaking to Sam yeah. earlier about the, the, there being this youth violence commission that was set up a couple of years ago. Now it's cross party, mm. you know, Labour, Conservative, non-aligned, Liberal Democrats. They're all on the, on, on this commission, and they looked into um, sort of causes and potential solutions yeah. for for youth violence. Uh, and they see it as this, you know, deep-seated structural issue that re- relates to the opportunities for people to, to go down wrong routes and a lack of services. So, so I think that those people that are most interested in it are, are becoming aware of this. The, mm. the difficulty is in like executing some of those solutions. So, for instance, um, I'm currently doing work for the Liberal Democrat male candidate. She was on that Youth Violence Commission mm. and she's very much of this view. But if you listen to what's coming out of the Conservative Party, for instance, <laughs> their main focus is on policing. They see this as just a, a problem of get more police, more stop and search, do more stop and search, more harassing and me, that way. putting me against the wall. Like, so I won't punch you up. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's an enforcement approach, right? Mm. They're just saying, well, people are carrying knives, so we're going to stop them. But that that's not looking at the reasons that it happens in the first place. Yep. So you can either take that root causes approach, which is very very difficult and means that you have to work across lots of different departments, across schools, across health services, across across policing as well, but across like social and economic disadvantage, how do you how do you fix the benefit system, how do you fix the housing system, all of these things that are going to make people's lives have enough opportunity to not want to go down these routes, mm. or you can go down the just sort of, they're carrying and we're going to try and stop it route, and I think yeah, there are obviously different perspectives in politics. I personally don't think this is purely a policing issue. Of course not. <laughs> That's very far from yeah. just. If we, you, you can, yeah. you can. He's promised twenty thousand more police officers. He could put fifty thousand on the streets. It's mm. not going to stop the person who feels scared. Yeah. Picking up a knife to protect themselves. Yeah, and then that's where politics is so is so key to it because we were discussing earlier as well. Like the average Joe is going to vote for the person that they feel like they're just gonna believe what you say kind of thing because mm. the average Joe doesn't really have time to read every single page of the manifestos and mm-hmm. all of that so let's say youth violence is an agenda item the average Joe doesn't have the time to read every um, proposal for every candidate for every party's um, thingy so my man's going to choose the Tory leader mm. but then what that means is that 
they're going to choose all of the Tory leaders' um, policies, which means that where maybe the Lib Dems or the Labour um, candidate has better manifestos for this particular agenda item, mm, mm, mm. that's now been like eradic- that that hasn't been um, implemented because the overall winner is someone that maybe doesn't value this issue or something that's as key as it, as as they should kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I agree. Like obviously the attention span of the public is mm. is limited, and people's capacity to to understand complex policy solutions <laughs> is is limited as well. Like, Not like because people are stupid, but because people are busy with their yeah, lives. Yeah, they're yeah. raising their kids. Yeah. They're working. They're they're you know they they're watching Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> no no no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know. You know, like at the end it's of the true. day, I want to chill out and watch Love Island yeah. football or whatever as it's well. True. So I, I, I hear it, um, but the way we've got to tackle it is have more politicians that are able to to reach out to people and just get that sense of trust on on values and beliefs and general <coughs> things. And we need more progressives to be getting elected on that basis, so that these more progressive solutions come forward. Mm. At the moment, I think the Conservative Party obviously have just been more effective at connecting with people than progressives have which means that surely that means that the general public is not progressive because it's all it's it's all it's one thing to say you want the candidates or the um, mps or whatever to be mm. more progressive but they still need to be elected so if the non-progressive quote unquote are winning mm-hmm. the seats then surely the issue is with educating the public a bit more no potentially i think like Every person you meet is capable of holding like more than one opinion on the sa- same topic at once, right? Okay. So, so the the person who might look at knife crime and say, uh, Boris Johnson says he's going to put twenty thousand police on the streets. That sounds like a good idea. I'm all for that. It's the same person that could be convinced that actually you need to tackle the root causes, and you know, do all the sort of other solutions we're going to be talking about later. <laughs> as well that same per, that, well, that per, people's I think people's opinions are not necessarily static they're not necessarily set in stone you that's where I disagree with you yeah. I think some people are innately like born to have a certain opinion because of many factors their that, family that doesn't upbringing make, what you think doesn't make sense though go on okay maybe not you, you, innately you, you born just, but you just but, said innately born but then you can't then say how they brought up those are two different things One okay, maybe not ones. innately born but there's a cut off threshold period where there's certain values and certain things, ideologies that you're taught by your parents, by your upbringing, where it just becomes set in stone. That is so yeah, hard that, that to shake to, off. It's very important. To I feel like, for example, Bulgaria, where England played, mm, was it Bulgaria? Mm, mm, they, mm. Like, literally, they were warned time and time and time again that you will literally cost your country, like, a win here if you, and they just can't help it kind of thing. I feel like there are some people, like we're talking about... Um, certain generations that our generation is a lot more progressive a lot more open-minded i feel like a lot of older generations just have a certain way of thinking and it's just literally impossible to shake off uh, I, I disagree Re- reason being um in my opinion there isn't a race or very racist gene <coughs> you can't we can't prove it we put two children together black and white you said the children behave there's no there's no hatred there Mm. And people are taught that after based on their experience, based on their upbringing, based on the environment they're in, based on those kind of factors. Um, so for me, uh, what that means is if you can be taught to hate, you can be taught to love as well, or you can be taught to not hate, should I say, as opposed to love. And what that involves is changing your environment. So if you want someone to change, mm-hmm. you can't just tell them to change. You can't just you know have different talks, different shows to get them to change. You have to also change their environment. Because what would happen is, 
even if that person wants to change, mm. they might change for a minute or two. Yeah, then because they their environment's still the same, they're going to revert back. So we got to mm. do it. You want to make someone to change, and this is all behavior, it's not just racism, but racism is just an example of yeah, a yeah. poor kind of behavior, right? If I can say, what you do is you instruct them, give them the applications they need to use, and then you change them, take them out of environment and put them in a conductive environment that allow the change to carry on. Mm. That, that to me is the solution. The question is, uh, environment could be everything. Environment can be the kind of media you're being fed. Yep. It can be the kind of friends you have. It can be what you read. It can be the kind of industries you're working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me is what changes it. So, are some people more hard to reach and change? Absolutely, we're different, right? But I feel like if you, cha- if you take someone out, put them in an environment long enough, they'll change. Give an example. Uh, at the moment, we don't eat each other, right? We're, we're, we're omnivores, but we eat We don't food. eat each other. Yeah, we don't eat each other, that, right? Yeah? Yeah, because we're normal. Are you sure? Huh? If I put you in a desert, yeah, with I someone else. Wait, 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 wait. If I put you in a desert with someone else for 50 years, I'll die. chances are you end up eating here. I'm or not she eating Bobby D, Or, 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 or <laughs> Where's this podcast going? Or the person <laughs> will end up eating you. So that's just, and, you know, that's just an, ex- as an example yeah. as to, you know what I'm trying to say? That's just yeah, an yeah. example as mm. to, um, how people can change the environment. I think they did it with rats. Rats don't eat rats. Oh, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Just quickly. R- rats eat food. But you put two rats together and nothing else, the rats yeah. start eating each other. Right. Go on, no, I was just, just going to say, I, did, I think you're both making good points. And mm. just to clarify what I meant, it's kind of it's kind of more like people's preferences, particularly when it comes to policy, are a bit unclear and messy and people are capable okay. of holding contradictory views. Okay. Um, and that you'll be surprised in the shifts in <laughs> voting patterns that can happen. So yeah. for instance, if you look to America, millions of people that voted for Obama sellouts no but but no millions of people that voted for Obama would have also voted for Trump yeah and those same Trump voters could be persuaded to vote for an Obama Mark II again because people invested themselves in wanting change of some sort and they both felt like they represented change of some sort Sam thinks your political party should be like a football team that's another conversation when I was remember when Yemi came when you said that you feel like your thing should stay oh no yeah I did say I did say that actually I thought um, my point was so for example a lot of um, black people mm. that I know vote Labour. Yeah. And the reason they vote it is because their parents voted Labour because parents came as like immigrants and Labour policies helped them sort of get established here. And then now we, our generation was born here and we've had the opportunity to sort of live here and, you know what I mean, have yeah. all those opportunities. So my only point was that by now, like going through that stage, having voted Labour, had those opportunities and now going to sort of conservatives or something that maybe will not give those sort of opportunities or wouldn't have given those opportunities back then to our parents, then we're sort of denying future people that would want to sort of follow a similar path. Um, so that's why I was kind of like, it should be a bit more rigid than sort of irritably. Yeah. yeah but, sorry, what were you going to say before about um, both of our points? No, I was just, just going to say, I think sometimes we come to this view that people hold like this set, like yeah, line yeah. of opinions and that they're not persuadable Changes in different them. directions or that they've you know if they think one thing about one thing and they probably think all these other things yeah that's true though. when when it's actually a lot of the time a lot more fluid than that like a lot a lot of the time you read you might read something someone says online but if you had a conversation with it would be completely different right because then yeah. the nuance is available there so yeah mm. I, get, I, I, I guess your point is like yeah there's loads there's millions of people that just voted conservatives just now mm. that could be persuaded of more progressive policies in yeah. the very next election very true, um, very true. and then, in fact that's the only way elections are ever won right you have to persuade <laughs> the same set the of people yeah. Of, yeah. Different, yeah. Of, of, of a different way forward you know, an example is um, a lot of white women 
um, voted for Obama because the idea of a white woman leading them they didn't agree with um, in a study a, study a lot show. of white women voted yeah, for remember, that remember Obama went against Hillary Mm-hmm. But white women didn't want Hillary. Yeah, white women didn't want Hillary because they felt like I'm a white woman myself. What does she have special over me? Really? Voting for Obama. Mm-hmm. But then flip it now. Well, you got the receipts. How do you know that, fam? I, I do a lot of reading outside of work. Say no, bro. Um, and um, <laughs> <laughs> studious. <laughs> and, and you know, when it came to Trump now versus Hillary, those same voters, even though Hillary and Obama were in the same political persuasion, if you like, mm. right? They then voted for Trump. Mm. You know. Um, so, but now what, what I wanted to ask you, so we've spoken about <coughs> politics and, um, and you know, before you even get there, how do you become an MP? Because, you know, I, I, like, what do I do? Do I go online, put my name down, fill in a few forms, go to the next Liberal Democrat um, mm. campaign or uh, house or building? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, like... You're, you're, liberal, you're a Lib Dem, right? Yeah, Liberal Democrat, yeah. So, th- I mean, there's, there's different routes. Obviously, there's... The political party route mm-hmm. is is the most common route. Um, you research which political party you like best, um, and your probably first step would be either sign up maybe as a member or turn up to like a local meeting of okay. that political party, and then starting to get involved that way by like just campaigning locally. Like it could be just delivering leaflets, could be knocking on doors, it could be organising events, campaigning, campaigning for yourself or just for the just party campaigning for the party's mission. Okay. Like there'll be a, like there's a London elections coming up. You might want to get involved in that and find out more about the the, the campaigning yep. side of things. So there, and then each party has its own process for selecting MPs, but ordinarily there'll be some sort of assessment mm. um you'd have to probably prove that you've been kind of involved for a while and that you're committed campaigner sort of thing um and then ordinarily like a local party would select their candidates so like the members of that local division say in lewisham deptford would have a vote according oh, to a local short party as well as a uh, um, regional party mm. yeah so so ordinarily like the national party would have some sort of process for approving you to be able to even put yourself in a contest like some sort of assessment to say, yep, yeah, you're now on the approved candidates list and you can you put yourself forward to local areas to run for that local area. Mm. That local area will have like a local board that will draw up a shortlist and then they'll put it to their local members. So say there's say there's a thousand members in Lewisham, mm. those thousand members then get to choose their candidates. So that's 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 the route, but I like I've, that's just the formalities of the route. I think in terms of anybody out there is interested in getting involved in politics and yeah. like to think about representing themselves, I'd say the first thing to do is just get involved in, in campaigning or volunteering of any sort. So you don't have to go straight to a political party. Like there's lots of like non-profits and charities out there that do good campaigning work. If, you, if you're passionate about housing, like maybe see what um, some housing charities are doing. They might be doing <coughs> some petitions. They might be trying to persuade people to do things. Or there might just be local community organisations that you're interested in. So look, we're talking about young people. Yeah, hundreds. There's not so many youth centres now as part of the problem, but there's lots of, uh, you know, non-profits out there working with young people. Maybe you can volunteer with them. Mm. I would say find the issues you care about the most. Yeah. Because this is what politics is about, right? Like <coughs> like making change on issues you care about. Right. And, and campaign with people that are working on those issues. Mm. Um, that might be a political party. You might decide actually... That's There's a political really. party that's got a really good policy on knife crime or housing. Actually, I want to campaign with them on that issue. Okay. And then over time, you'll build up your campaigning experience mm. and um, you'll get to know the people that will be able to support and mentor you on that route to becoming like mm. a, a candidate yeah. um, in an area. 
but just start start from your places of passion mm. and seek out organizations whether they are political parties or non-profits or just general campaign organizations and get involved and volunteer really yeah i mean politics is run on volunteer spirit like you, oh, that's true. you just I guess. have to give up your hours outside of your work and and you know pursue what you believe in really so, mm. you, so you found a local party yeah yeah is it a Liberal Democrat local party? Just, just, just so I understand. Yeah, so, so for what instance, a, local party, yeah? a, a lot of people probably would sign up via the national route first, right? If you decided, actually, I really agree with the Liberal Democrats' policy, like, you know, they campaigned against Brexit really uh, hard and I like their housing policy or whatever, you'd probably go online and just go libdems.org and join up as a member or something like that. And then you'll start getting emails from them and more often than not, a local party would probably then have your details and contact you and say oh do you want to come along to this event or we're going out doing this campaigning do you want to join us cool, okay. um, and then you get to meet the people that are locally involved in Liberal Democrats so if, cool. you know I'm in Lewisham I might like during the election obviously I was out quite yeah. a lot and you know we had new people come okay. in and say oh I want to help out the campaign how do I do it say oh mm. well, Wednesday 6pm we're going here come along or some people just want to go to like the social events to begin with yeah. and just chat politics so they can just get to meet people before they do anything like campaign type activity so yeah the political party route would be probably national first most likely and then you'll find out the contact details or someone will contact you locally mm -hmm. so you can find out the people in your area that are doing the same and then, and then what so then, okay so you're now part of a local party yeah what's the next step how do i make it big time <laughs> what's the pathway what's i mean pathway? I, I, I could tell you about my pathway yeah, cool. yeah, yeah that's cool. that's the easiest thing yeah. so um, I was campaigning for a number of years, you know, I, someone taught me how to knock on doors and speak to people on the doorstep, you know, I, I, I delivered leaflets for people, I, I turned up to events and stuff, and then you'll often find people in the party that are looking out for people, right? So I had a, a guy called Chris Maines involved in the, in the local party, yeah. um, he looked after me quite well and he encouraged me to go get my assessment done. He just said What's that at one point, yeah. yeah, get the assessment done to become an approved candidate. He said, I think you'd be a good candidate and yeah. you should apply to do this. And he showed me how to apply. And I think you, once you get involved locally, you'll meet people that will be able to support you on that journey. So he was like your mentor. He was kind of yeah, something. like a men yeah. mentor and he encouraged me yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, and I went through that process. And then after that, you know, you'll meet more people and you've you got to rely on your networks a bit in politics, you know, and mm. bit, bit meet, meet people that are going to be supportive of you and help you through the process, I'd say. Yeah. Like that. And then, you know, the election came around really quickly. I, I did my assessment in August 2016. Jeez, and then we had that election all of a sudden in uh, 2017. <laughs> that faithful election, fam. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, you know, two years later, had another election. So uh, I've now all of a sudden run into elections <laughs> at the age of 29, which feels mad, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the back of something that somebody encouraged me to do a couple of summers ago. Mm. So it's all happened quite quickly for me. But... Um, you know, other people might want to be involved. Like I joined the party in 2010, <coughs> by the way. So yeah. it was it was six years before win. I went to do a candidate assessment. Mm. It might be quicker for other people. Mm. Well, what's involved in, a, in, a, in an assessment? Check your CRB, make sure you haven't killed anyone. What else? Yeah, <laughs> uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, it's an assessment day. It's like it's like doing a, um, an exam. Yeah, it's like doing an exam. So I had some written exams about policy. Mm. Um, I had some teamwork games where we had to like solve this crisis as a team because they mm. want to see how you work as a team. We did a mock media interview where I had to pretend that Channel Four News were asking me <laughs> stuff. Is that way, is that um, way you um, don't give the direct answer to you? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah can, can you media give us yeah, 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 media training. Right. Um, I, I actually think that's a big problem people with politicians being over 
you're authentic. lame med- media trained and for forget, forgetting how to talk like and stuff, right? Yeah. Facts, mate, um, facts. And it's one of the things I'm going to be trying to be quite determined not to do. Stay like, authentic, stay authentic. The, 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 you know, you, you want to know what you want to talk about. Yeah. You want to know the most, like I've written some notes here yeah. today because I, I want to make sure that I say the things that you I know say. I want to get across, exactly. but I'm not going to sit there and say it in a pre-rehearsed exactly. yeah. way and ignore your questions yeah, that come up. For real, for do you know real. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we do things like that, um, and then there is a one-on-one interview. You also have to sort of show your sort of campaign and CV to show that you know that you you've been doing stuff and you're not you've not just rocked up and said show me show me the way to the, <laughs> to become an MP. Yeah, 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 you, you don't yeah, yeah. you don't want those sort of people in politics, right? The ones that just want the glory and the fame or the mm. money or the power or whatever. Mm. You, you've got to have which is which is have a, some sort of a campaign track record, I think. Mm. Obviously, those people do get into politics, mm, which but but on the whole, you, you're supposed to have these assessments to try and not get those type of people. Before MP, what's the low? Or not lower. What's the level before? Well, I mean, there's just different... I see officer, I see XYZ, different kind of things. That yeah, the, the, I mean, there are just different democratically elected roles, right? Like na- the National Parliament, that's where the MPs are. Yeah. Um, so more specifically, the House of Commons. There's also the House of Lords, but yep. that's a whole other story yep. and they're not elected. But then <laughs> I guess locally, you've got like local councils. So mm-hmm. there'll be like Lewisham Borough, Southwark mm. Borough, Yep. And you could be elected to become a councillor. Okay. The, the, you, then you just have a different set of powers. So you could look at that as a different level, like maybe a tier two below, or three yeah, yeah, below. Yeah. But but reality, reality is you just got different pa- uh, powers. You're now looking after sort of like council More tax, bin collection, well, housing yeah. applications, mm. um, running of local services, that sort of thing. Mm. And then there's like we spoke about earlier, the London mayoral elections are in May. Mm. That's a London wide assembly. Again, you could look at that as a tier, or you could look at it as just a different set of powers. So they look after like TFL, so the transport <coughs> system, Met Police, policing obviously, mm. and like set strategic vision for different things in London. So uh, you could look at it as tiers. I think some what you call political careerists might look at it as tiers and be like, okay, I'm going to go get my experience as a yeah, counselor, so and then I'm going to yeah. try and do this, yeah. and then I'm going to tr- work my way up that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't like to look at it that way. It's like you've <laughs> got to be passionate about. Do Do you really care about getting things sorted in Lewisham Council, or do mm. you really care about Your getting name. things sorted London wide, or do you really care about the national issues and want to run as a MP? Like you, you know, could you could care about all of them, of course, authentically, mm. and therefore it's okay to run for different things. Mm. But I don't like the way some people see it as a ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, 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 spoke, you spoke about what. We spoke about powers before and mm. you know do you want to get involved in this uh, or do you want to make change here what powers do MPs really have like so okay let's say you're an MP yeah um, don't forget Simon Irie on the Man City podcast but let's say you're, <laughs> 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 say you're an MP yeah right yeah okay how do you then action change in Lewisham yeah, it's a good question I mean this is this is one of the reasons that political parties exist right because if you've got the basic role of the House of Commons is to pass laws and policies, right? Yep. You still need to get a majority for that to happen. So you can't ever change anything solely on your own. You can only do it with the cooperation of other MPs. Mm. So the theory of a political party is that you get together, you agree a ge- general agenda, and you agree to push through that agenda together. And you dominate so, the so, votes, yeah. Yeah, and then if you win the most MPs in an election, you can you're going to be able to win all the votes. Yeah. So... so Political parties exist so that we are able to sort of get things done together, mm. yeah. right? 
Um, so that's how much. So your so an MP's power to a certain extent is related to the power of their political party. Yeah. Now I'm I'm a Liberal Democrat, and that means that at the moment we only have 11 MPs, so we don't have a lot of influence in Parliament. Mm. But that's not to say it's going to feel that way. It's yeah. not to say that it's non-existent because there are other routes as well. Like you can sit on these different committees. And if there's 10 people on a committee looking into life crime and you're one of the people on that committee you and say. you're helping publishing a report that reports on the government activity on yeah, that, yeah, yeah, then you yeah. hold quite a lot of sway over that Under. sort of area. Under. Or Under. if there's a vote that's tight and your votes matter because every vote matters, mm. then you could help push things left or right. Mm. Like in the last parliament we just had, nobody had a majority, which is why it was so hectic because basically political no political no one political party Dominated. could pass legislation on their own they always need the votes of someone else mm. to get something done yeah. and that and then even if you've got 10 votes like the DUP who are the Irish yeah, party yeah, 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 held yeah. a lot of sway because they agreed to work with the conservatives but then sometimes didn't <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i know? remember that and yeah, this yeah. was this was basically the nature of what happened in 2010 2015 as coalition. well the hung, par yeah, the hung yeah, parliament, parliament liberal democrats and the coalition with conservatives mm. now you you've been speaking to me you know i'm like a left leaning yeah, yeah, person yeah, and yeah, yeah, i yeah. see myself on the left of politics and the conservatives are not mm -hmm. my ideal party mm -hmm. the only reason that i stay stuck out in the party when they were in the coalition because <coughs> it's because i realized that we had that power to to block some things and that maybe we could change the way they approach yeah, i heard nick things. clegg blocked a lot of things that would have gone through if uh conservatives had a majority yeah i mean yeah. i appreciate other people's opinion as well they're saying well you also maybe enabled um the conservatives in some respects but what i'd say to them is look what happened since 2015 when they're when they were on their own it was so true, much yeah. worse and no we were the smaller party right we had 57 mps they had 200 and something yeah, yeah. Um, so we weren't going to win every battle, yeah. but I'd rather us be in there winning some than mm. than them be on their own. And yeah. that's that's that's, no, that's, that's fact, the power man. of smaller parties sometimes as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I was just going to ask yeah. quickly. Sorry, uh, just for those listening, because uh, what, what, uh, what we like to do is whenever someone says a word that a user might not understand, and a visitor might not understand, we like to make sure it's clear. What's a committee? A committee. Yeah, I mean, a, a committee generally is any any sort of group of people that come together to, to research something, I guess. But in the context of Parliament, they have different types of committees mm -hmm. uh, and they're usually cross party and they're usually focused on a particular issue. And their job is to like hold the government to account mm. on it. So they'll be looking at the government's record, what they said they were going to do what they've actually done, mm -hmm. what the impact of their policies has been. And they'll often like release reports or call witnesses to the stand. So they're, 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 you know, the Minister for Health will have to come meet them and answer questions or they might go get health professionals mm. to come meet them and answer questions. And it's just their way of like making sure the government's doing what it's saying it's doing, having the impact it says it wants to do. How, how, how often is legislation um, um, made on a weekly basis, for example? How does it work? Uh, I mean, it, it depends on the, the, the timetable. You could, you could get dozens of pieces of legislation go through one week or it could be that there's Just a particularly when, big yeah. piece of legislation going through that's taking up all the timetable so mm. it goes through at different rates I, I don't know what the numbers are but you know it as depends on it depends yeah. yeah it depends how so much there's a lot of things not shown on tv basically yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there's a difference between legislation and <clears throat> um what i'd say is policy as well mm. not everything that changes has to be done through a legal change it could just be the way spread some money around yeah the way the way money's distributed or mm. um you know the re rules and regulations that are not necessarily legal but are within within the law laws of the land oh, okay 
tweaking things. So yeah, um, very interesting. You know, like the running of hospitals is not. Don't, you don't have to pass a law to change the way you run a hospital. Yeah, very interesting. Listen to you, and um, this interest of time. So. I think it's amazing insight that you're providing and really appreciate it. So if I relate this back to like um, the youth and sort of mm. encouraging them to sort of get out of them. I think one key thing that you mentioned earlier was sort of their, their socioeconomic status. Mm. Um, a lot of issues I see relate back to like money um, and also your mentality when you're younger. Sometimes the money that you want to get is just like there in your face as opposed mm -hmm. to like sustainable money kind of thing. So one way that me and Ira like to try and tackle that is by um, spotlighting um, sort of sustainable money in terms of careers and mm. whatnot. So um, I feel like there's a bit of a preconception that, um, you know, Ira kept mentioning like when you've made it as an MP, like the big boss kind mm. of thing. I feel like that's what the youth look at. They look at the end goal. They look at the prime minister. They look at the, mm -hmm. the mayor kind of thing. They're not really looking at the candidates or like the the stages that you have to get through to get there but I feel like sometimes there's a preconception that you have to look a certain way to make it right to the top mm. or you have to act a certain way or talk a certain way so I guess what I want you to t shed light on is is there a like um a tip is there a best practice sort of MP like is there is there a way that you have to look or stupidity in your car Huh? Don't get caught saying stupidity in your car. Don't get caught saying stupidity <laughs> in your car, but do you know what I mean? Is there, is there a certain look that you have to have or certain things that you have to do to make it in your field right to the top? Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, politics is a bad space for representing um, a widespread of people, both like in terms of male-female splits, in terms of uh, race splits, in terms mm. of class splits in mm. particular. There's not many working-class MPs in Parliament. Okay. So uh, my answers to that are not straightforward. I don't think it's. I don't think there is like a best practice going out there. But I would go back to trying to find more relatable role models. Okay. Like that. That we need more relatable role models out there, right? Mm. So if you can find someone who, who seems like you that's yeah. involved in politics, mm. latch onto those people, ask them about their experiences. Hopefully you can find older people that have been like that as well. And yeah, yeah it is difficult, but like we said, just it, it, more talking more generally outside of politics as well. Like mm. this is part of the reason that people go down these bad routes yeah. because they don't have people to look to that feel like them and, and say, well, actually, I could go that route instead if if everybody around them that is because let's face it sometimes people that are involved in serious crime are mm. role models to, to young people yeah, facts but, but because because they're looking out there and go i want to be like him he's look at his he's car watch he's like like million. <laughs> yeah he ain't living like i'm living <laughs> i want to live like he's living yeah. so so you know we need to shift that so that there's a wider array of role models and people say actually i want to be like i want to be like that's I want to be like Sam. Even then, though, before you can do that, you got to define that that's what good is and that's what bad is. At the moment, if they think uh, the guy with, with, uh, he's got a bus down at <coughs> like 15 mm. of them from defrauding people, homeless people, for example, if, if if they think that's what cool is or what mm. good is, I remember we talking yeah, about, yeah, we're talking about ago, cool, yeah. that's what cool is, they're going to follow that. So I think maybe from a politician's level, and relating that back to the yeah, yeah, youth yeah. and earth crime, yeah. you guys maybe need to define what cool is in your policies, maybe define what is good. Because you know, I won't lie to you. If you tell me do this, and I don't think it's good to do it, I ain't doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's that's the same for everyone, right? Yeah. yeah. Sam, do you pay your tithes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When else you pay your tithes? You pay your tithes in twenty twenty? Yeah. 
Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to catch him out there. I mean, yeah. I, mean I, don't, I don't think anybody can make politics cool because it's not. It's a geeky thing to do, but people can make. Whoa. I don't know, you know. can make know, engagement. I don't know, you know. Yeah, well, it's different. I, mean, I look at you like, you know, you've got, you got a 97 you sound geezer, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you got a mini iPad there. You know, you got a nice bag. You got a nice notepad. I find that cool. Across your legs and that, you know, You got a nice jumper. You know, you look at the, look at you sit down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why are you watching <laughs> that like this? I don't know what I meant to say after that. Like, thank you. But I get what he means it's like it's interesting do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i feel like you made a great point it's about re-educating people because like you were saying sometimes people look at the and i think it's a thing that it comes with age like when you're 14 your mentality is different to when you're 34 like when you're 14 you're seeing the watches you're seeing the change you're seeing the cash mm-hmm. and you're thinking right i want that and then you may be seeing someone that's you know, working late hours um, with his volunteers, doing politics or whatever. Mm. And in 10 years, they may be making way more mm. than the person that's doing drugs or that's doing whatever is now. Mm. But I feel like we need to find a way to engage these younger people to help them understand the value of sustain- sustainability. But, it, but, it, but it's not its not just about knowledge because I don't like, when you're full- to this man. Yeah, when you're, when you're 14, you know that smoking's bad for you, but you might smoke. still smoke. Do you know what I mean? It's not just about imparting knowledge onto people and saying, oh, you know, this is not a good thing. It's about actually providing them pathways to different exactly. destinations. Mm-hmm. You know, we're beyond yeah. the theory now, right? Yeah. You know, there's a saying, you got, you know, the three layers of things, right? You got, you got your understanding, well, sorry, you got your knowledge. Yeah. You got your understanding and you got your wisdom, yeah? With knowledge, I know 5 plus 5 is 10. I know it. Quick maths. You know, um, <laughs> if you're asking the, the test, if you're asking the test, half of five is ten. Yeah, yeah. I might not understand it, but I know it. <laughs> understanding is now is now understanding. If I get five matchsticks and I don't know if I have matchsticks to it, I've got ten matchsticks. My wisdom, my Wisdom then saying, okay, cool. If five plus five is ten, maybe fifty plus fifty is a hundred. And yeah. the wisdom part is where you start to apply it. Yeah. I think we got to start giving wisdom to our people, or maybe start put them in environments where they can start practicing out what's being taught. Yeah, uh, you, you got some, you got some stats, right? Um, yeah. what's the age what's the age range which I know you said below 25 what's the age range that's the most prevalent for crime? what year is it 18 is it 19 is it uh, I don't know but I know that there is a slight misconception about um, it being basically everybody under 18 majority offences are it's 20 are, to 29 isn't it? yeah so yeah, I think it's so, guns after yeah. I've got I've got <laughs> this <laughs> one here it's, uh, perpetrators of knife crime under 18 so 10 to 17 4,306 over 18, 16,855. Yeah. Now, but obviously the salience of younger people being involved mm. like gets more media attention yeah, and, it, yeah. and, is, so and is serious and we do need to, to deal with it. So we can't ignore the, the youth angle, but it isn't just, that's one of the reasons I try to resist saying youth violence sometimes, mm. it's serious violence or like, yeah. you know, because... But is it, what is, uh, youth? Yeah. is it youth? What is youth? Is it youth, youth, is, youth is 10 to 29, which yeah. Yeah. people don't actually right? know. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's 10 to 29 still. Yeah. That's, that's a uh, large uh, spectrum, that's 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. So March, I'm not youth anymore. I've got one more month of youth. Right, so you know, you you know, in surveys, it's always like 18 to 25, and then yeah, yeah, 25 yeah. to 30. That burnt me the first time. We had to tick oh, that next mate. box anyway. You got to live it to the fullest. Yeah. This month, I have to go one more year. That man got to live it. Yeah. Alright, cool. Should we talk about solutions? So, if you were prime minister, yeah. Yeah. how would you solve? Youth, uh, do you even need serious facts? Do you even need to be prime minister? Because you just he just true, he, he you just said yeah, prime minister just, it's just technically one person who's just got one seat. It's right? true still. Yeah, the yeah. prime minister doesn't make the, ch- the changes on his own, does it? No, but they have the most power because basically the the prime minister in our country isn't directly elected. It's not like a president. 
Mm. We don't, we don't, we don't. Because <coughs> the head of a party. Yeah, it's the leader of the party. And if we go back to what I was saying about how much power political parties have in terms of getting things done, that's why the prime minister is so significant because they're g- going to be the top of this party that's able so to get they, things so done. So their party ideas come so they from have them a, in Yeah, they have a lot of power. But then also they will appoint what they call a cabinet, which is their closest people to lead on certain different yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they make decisions together as well. Okay. But if I was prime minister, yeah. uh, what would I do about serious... Yeah. yeah, if I had the power. Well, I, I, w- I would stop it being seen as an issue of crime and see it as uh, a, a multi-dimensional issue that affects all of society. Mm. So so we, we need to see it as a social issue. We need to see it as an economic issue. We need to see it as a health issue. Mm. We need to see it um, from the perspective of uh, the drugs uh, industry. Is it all about fueling, drugs? What I think it was like, if I'm a youth guy, why is it drugs if it's the default? What kind of thought? It's, it's not for the no, youth no, no, guys, for the he's old above. No, but the the thing is about the drugs industry. You know what I mean? Pre- it's prohibited. Make sense. It's prohibited, in our, uh, right? And what what it what it means is that it creates the economic power for the people running these gangs, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the economic why power comes from. Why is it not phones? Why is it drugs? Do you do, do, do you ask my question? My question Lucrative, is because, because why is it not phones? If I'm a road man, why am I going to just automatically be like, okay, let me track, let me sell drugs? Why can't I just sell phones? It's not for him because well, there's a guy above re- him, bro. Everything else is regulated and stuff as well. You drugs know, are the only thing. you know, if we, I, I'm, I'm actually a believer of us working towards different models of decriminalising the drugs industry and regulating it well, because if we because if well, you if you go down that route then you're taking the power the economic power away from gangs That's and you're true. also able to regulate the substances so that they don't come out of all these wild cut up versions that are causing more damage because people are going to take drugs anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. there are there are a lot of people taking cocaine in london right now no, the banning of cocaine has not stopped people taking cocaine <laughs> same for weed same for ecstasy that's it like you, you, you know <laughs> our war on drugs banning it and trying to draw is all it's done it's driven the industry underground and put power into the hands for those listening how does Demand. drugs being banned create powers for these criminal underworld leaders because it's a it's an entire industry that they get to run and nobody else does there's no there's no fair and regulated and taxed competition out there like you know setting up you know selling phones is only going to become massively profitable if you can do it on a scale but then therefore the other phone yeah, shops are yeah, always going to yeah, be able to beat yeah, you yeah, out in yeah, terms yeah, of the yeah. service they can offer the products range that's they're going to be able strong. to offer etc whereas the drugs industry that that's an illegal market so only people willing to do criminal activity can engage in it and there's less laws in criminal markets and violence sort of what's the what's the youth violence like in Amsterdam if you know I don't know. Good question, in all honesty, no. Be so, how, so, but but for 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 instance, <clears throat> in Portugal, where they've experimented with um, decriminalising cannabis, uh, the usage rate has not gone up right. of cannabis. If, uh, it, the drugs that are, uh, the cannabis that's on the market now is safer than uh, some of the harder strains that are out there, and it is having a positive effect on the the criminal. So uh, how how would your there. how would your um, decriminalizing of the drugs market work then in practice or like how would it look like? Um, I th- look, I think I think this is an area that of debate that we need more evidence for, okay. but we're starting to see evidence. So I think we'd start with decriminalizing cannabis, right. which is being trialed in different places, states in America, places yeah, like yeah, Portugal. Yeah. And, and and we examine the impact of that yeah, yeah. and what happens, what changes in terms of the market how does it affect crime rates how many more people does it from a health perspective bring into a healthier 
relationship with cannabis rather mm. than a, a, an addictive or corrosive one with stronger strains so we look at that evidence yeah. and then maybe after that we might look at doing it with a different type of drug maybe mm. a harder drug i'm not sure okay. um that is definitely on the more controversial end of this yeah, subject yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm personally feel like that is the direction we're gonna have to go in but we've got to do it slowly pilot it look at the evidence and see what actually works rather yeah. than just sort of say you know decriminalize a lot and then see what happens mm. like it's that's, too, that's <laughs> one issue risky. one issue quickly one issue that i saw um one issue that i uh, made a point of before is that i feel like ex-convicts um well we all know that they're very like their ten their tendency is that they reoffend, mm -hmm. and if you dig deeper into that i feel like a lot of that comes from the fact that you come out, you've got this criminal record. Everyone knows you've got a criminal record because everywhere you apply, you know, it's gonna come up, your name's blacklisted. So again, like I feel like we've kind of established that a big, big, big um, under, underlying causative factor of like violence mm. and youth mm. violence is um, the need to make money. Yeah. So my like sort of solution for that is to provide as many avenues to making legal money as possible yeah. and as much as possible legally so i feel like and it is very controversial because on one hand you're like you know you've committed the crime everyone should know whatever mm. but should is is it possible is it is it possible to ever get to a place where prison is literally a rehabilitation center so it's not it's not, you know, you're being told every day you're you're this, you're trash, you're scum, you're, you know, dirt on the mm -hmm. bottom of the shoe, you're this. You're literally like implementing, you know, lessons and like courses and stuff that literally rehabilitates them to understand the severity of the crime they've committed and come out genuine different people. And then if we have more faith in the prison systems to actually be rehabilitation centers, then once they come out, is it plausible for their criminal record to not be wiped clean, but for it to not appear? Because at the end of the day, if I, let's say someone's actually like, they got their degree, mm. they were just in the wrong crowd, wrong place, wrong time. They are actually like intelligent. Mm -hmm. So they're actually capable of doing a good, well-paying job in the city or something. Mm. They've done this, they've done their time, they've done the rehabilitation center, but every time they apply for a job, they're just not getting it because, mm -hmm. you know, the person that's applying that the person that's employing doesn't know them so they can only go by what they're seeing in the crb or whatever is it possible to just keep that hidden yeah well i think there's two parts to what you said there is yep. it possible for us to have a more rehabilitative approach to prison. criminal justice yep. and prisons yes other countries do it and their reoffending rates are so well, low yep. in comparison to ours we've got hmm. a really stupid policy <laughs> on prisons yeah. where we seem to think it's all about being tough it's all about punishment Mate. it's all about like you know just telling them they're wrong hard enough Mate. and then they'll change their ideas rather than you know if, if we're gonna crazy, be man. if we're gonna well, be crazy fam. well okay I'm, I'm, when you finish i'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree yeah i'll just i was just gonna say if you're if you're gonna put people in prison with a sentence that means that they're going to come out surely your sole purpose from that moment is to make sure that they are ready to come out exactly. and, and participate in the world. So so other countries have this attitude and they're much better towards it. In terms of can we wipe their record, maybe in some cases we can. I don't know all of the technical implications of that. One of the things might be is you're taking away decision-making power from people that Employee. might need to know that. But like if you get it done for fraud, But then the answer to that is an attitude will change, right? We, if we change the attitude of our nation towards what prisons are about and what 
ex once somebody's released we are of the opinion that these people are ready to They're be back in our society yeah. that's the attitudinal change we've got yes. then if something comes up on the CIP it don't even matter you exactly. know? Yeah. why I disagree with that is um, the whole point of prison is you're paying for breaking the law but then you change that point well, is it but so well, what it's supposed to be anyway but what should is it, it be supposed to be that so, okay so let me let me so let me right, let me discuss what it's supposed to be and then let's discuss what it is <laughs> <laughs> so what it's supposed to be is you've broken the law legislation which is in place to keep things fair or to keep the ideology of the company of, of, the, of the country in sync and aligned you break that law it you know, and obviously sometimes if the p- crime is severe, there needs to be justice. Mm-hmm. The justice system is what keeps us safe. Mm-hmm. What is what is supposed to keep us safe? It's also so, it's what, it's what's supposed to keep us safe physically from like, from other harm from other from other members of the country, as well as maybe financially from getting defrauded or you know and and so on. Right mm-hmm. now, one major d- deterrent of them kind of crimes is the fact that you're gonna get punished if you're caught mm. how many people would how many people would steal tvs and ipads if they knew that they weren't gonna get, they weren't gonna get punished they it? get punished they do their 10 year or whatever the normal sentence is it's just you change what i think, I think, I think, yeah, I think rehabilitation and justice are two different things just because you just, just because you've done a crime does that mean you then deserve to be rehabilitated that's another question for, for that's a different topic no, so well. everyone in prison would be rehabilitated because you're not killing them no but the whole point of prison I don't, see, that's my point prison isn't supposed to be rehabilitation. Re- prison is justice, but the rehabilitation is still a punishment. It's like you don't have freedom. You don't. Mm. You can't go and do whatever but, you but, want. But what rehabilitation is? This is literally taking someone who's fallen and trying to get them up again. That's what rehabilitation. Is yeah, like. yeah. But I think that I don't think these things are mutually exclusive, right? Like if 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 Sam says if you're serving an eight year sentence, you've had your liberty taken away from you. Yeah. You can't see your family whenever you want. You but can't you knew that was going to happen. And you still yeah, did it. Yeah, I know. But that, that that is the punishment aspect. That's the justice aspect. Uh, aspect, right? And like, I find these that people. Fun are going to lose their liberty they're going to lose their freedoms for a period of time mm. but at the same time what are we going to be doing those people while are in those places are we just going to lock them in cells and uh, make them get bored out of the mind for that. eight years and let them network with other prisoners and do, do uh, well, and probably harden f- or, or are we going to have an approach where we're, fo- we're focused on the fact that these people are going to be coming back into our society yes. at some point and if we don't want them to be a threat to society again then we cool. need to be I'll able to I'll give you an example. No, we don't kill them. I'll give you an example, yeah? Cool. God forbid. We'll leave them there forever. You or your family member gets attacked, yeah? Yeah. Mm. The person gets caught, goes to jail. Are you campaigning for that person to be rehabilitated and get a CIB cleaned when they come out? Okay, so... Yes or no, bro? No, it's not a yes or no question because at the end of the day, that person, whether I like it or not, even if they get life, life is 30 years. They will come out in 30 years. So oh. let's say they killed, God forbid, family member. They will come out in 30 years. So... Oh, but when they come out, though, when they, but when, when they come, they come out, out, I don't want them to kill someone else. I want that thirty years to be as tangible and as useful as possible. Do you know what? There was a survey done last week. I'm not going to be able to get the figures yep. to to my head, but it essentially said that when interviewing victims, hmm. the the number one thing that comes out from their feedback is that they don't want it to happen again. They yep. don't want the same thing to happen again. So hmm. whatever the crime was, Lock they don't up. want it to. They don't want it to happen to someone else again. That's hmm. what they always say. And it ranked much higher in terms of victims' preferences them, them, than them just we want to make sure that they get right. punished. They, obviously, there is there is both mm, involved. Mm, you do mm. want people to be punished for what they've done, but punishment is not the end of the story. It's not yeah. that's the full stop doesn't come at the end of punishment. Yeah, like yeah, it's punishment yeah. and rehabilitation. Of course, I'm a man. Of course, I believe in rehabilitation, but I'm just bringing up <laughs> yeah. devil's advocate. Of course, <laughs> advocate, of course. Yeah. Uh, another quick point that I wanted to make. Um, so that's a great 
so wait, did you what do you agree with that sort of um angle of maybe tackling the issue? Yeah, no, I do, I do. I I, I think like but this is focusing on after fences have already happened, yeah, right? Yeah. And I and I think if I was Prime Minister going back to that question, okay. I'd have a much, much stronger vo- uh, focus on prevention. Earlier, tackling yeah. the root causes, you know, making sure that people have got <coughs> basic living standards mm. so they're not so desperate to try these t- different alternatives. Making sure that we have like support, support services like youth services, but also mental health services. Yeah, like, this, of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, like mental... Like, his football team that he started, do you want to... Talk a bit about nah, that. Nah, 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 no football today, please. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at the end. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah uh, mental health service as well. Yeah, so actually, guy, the, some of the figures I saw earlier, you're, I think something like seven times more likely to be involved in knife crime if you suffer from some form of childhood trauma. Mm. Yeah, mm. Like whether that's violence in the home or drug taking. Drug taking in the home, loss of parents or loss of one parent or all of these things. So we're not dealing with trauma effectively because trauma makes you more violent. Like I... I myself have been through counselling for anger management when I was 20 years old. Well, and it was basically, uh, I'm getting a bit deep quick on the podcast. <laughs> now, but you know, I, what, I, I had anger management. I, yeah, well, I, I, I left my family home when one. I was 15, basically. When I was 15 years old, short of oh, wow. my birthday, I moved out and I didn't speak to my parents for like basically 10 years. Oh, so right, I had that right. sort of, and that, you know, when you go through that Absolutely. sort of trauma when you're a teenager, that sits in you and you become an angrier person. Yeah, I guess we, I guess we can talk about that. We can delve in that later. Yeah, on. yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a whole different kind of world to open. Real quick. But just to say that, you know, trauma creates anger inside yeah, of people. And we, no, we're not, we need to address those sort of things as well. Not just mm. think, how, how do we get the knives off people? What do we sentence them like? Um, how many police officers do we need? We, we've got two, though, all those <laughs> things are right. But we we've got too much focus on enforcement side yeah, at the moment, yeah, and yeah. not enough on Facts. how do we address the root causes. Yeah, quick I've one. Got a quick one. Oh, go on. On, yeah. Quickly, um, completely agree with you. I also feel like I know you you didn't want to mention like the racial aspect of any of this, but I feel like um, in terms of solution, there's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy sometimes mm. in terms of um, what you see on TV, what you see put out there. Um, by the media and sort of voices speaking on it. So I feel like a solution to maybe young black boys continually seeing um, Sky News saying this black guy mm-hmm. stuff this is um, different kinds of people speaking on the topic and kind of um, educating the masses that mm. these issues span. Be- like for example, you're a Caucasian individual that has spoken excellently on this mm. topic. And I feel like having um, having different kinds of people, so maybe having white people speaking on um, racial issues mm. will be a great way to at least catch the interest of other white people yeah. for example so if a black person is continually mentioning that this is unfair this is racist this is this this is this it's only going to go a certain it's only going to be heard by um, the white people that want to listen kind mm. of thing or the mm. white people that are woke to it whereas immediately if there's another kind of way of speaking then they they are more likely to at least give it that attention yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify the, yeah. the, the race bit. It wasn't that I wanted to avoid okay, yeah, yeah. the topic. It was just uh, I wanted to put it into perspective yeah, that twenty seven percent of knife crime in this country is non white. Of course. So of there's course. a lot of white people involved yeah. in knife crime as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that, you know, this isn't a solely black issue. Hundred percent. But 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 no. that's not because I didn't want to touch the race yeah, side yeah, of it. Um, um obviously put the pot next to it, yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. We'll just yeah. let it flow. Cool. O- obviously uh white people do need to stand up 
and be allies mm. like you know allyship's big on all issues of discrimination discrimination uh but i'll go back to what i said earlier as well about representation being key as well so if 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 you're white or white presenting and you've got those elbows and you, you're at access to those spaces it's not just about speaking on behalf of people it's mm. about getting those people into the room mm. and giving them the platforms mm. and, and making headway for others to come Definitely. self-represent as well so Definitely. if if you feel if you care about these issues it's also about getting out of the way rather than speaking on behalf of 100%. you know if if someone if someone else <coughs> can be be that representative you you do that you know like the, you got to make space for others to be and in the I, conversation as well. I feel well. like at the moment, because there's so few black people in those spaces we're talking about, mm. when you have one or two, they are that one or two that's the role model for everyone. But if it was a bit more equal, then what you actually start to see is that the black, the young black people or the aspiring black people won't just look to those one or two as their role models. They'll start looking to more white people or more different kinds of yeah. people as you get people diverse, that you can, yeah, you know diverse I mean? range so of role yeah, models. That's what that's what I think. Yeah, so. no, I I, de- I definitely support that. Mm. Iri, you got a quick point. My like roll black, can you say V? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iri, do you get a point? Yeah, roll black wanted us to ruin up our uh, episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, a quick one, a oh, quick one, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody uh, wants to go. Home. <laughs> <laughs> quick one, um, a fella jacket, by the way. Quick one, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, that don't buy you two more minutes. Mate, I was going <laughs> to ask. So, um, when it comes to committees and when it comes to like making uh, laws or policies, uh, let's say you identify the certain, you know, let's say you know you are in Lewisham and what's the second one? Lewisham Deptford. Yeah, it's the name of the constituency. Yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. No, Deptford. Cool. So you're in Blueborough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what Blueborough? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. Well, I've not seen Blue Story yet, but I know. About uh, Blue what, 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 what are your key press and changes just for the interested in to? We have some we have some visitors or we have some listeners who do frequent them areas or who do live in those areas. Uh, what are your three top priorities before we close? Yeah, I mean, I I think in an area like Lewisham, knife crime is up there, and in particular, youth services provisions and stuff that is there. Mm. I think the second biggest thing is housing. Mm. You know, like this is affecting everybody now just in terms of council housing, in terms of homelessness, in terms of rental market being too expensive, in terms of people not being able to uh, afford to buy a home, in terms of, as you say, gentrification, the impact that has, people being Mm. pushed out of the borough. Um, So housing is probably the other major issue for the area. Um, and no cladding, please. <laughs> you know, they were going for yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, they just about fixed that um, whole roundabout that they had before. That, you know, remember? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lewisham roundabout Catford is a mess. Walk. I mean, that'd be number four on the list. And the third, <laughs> the, the third is just like people's um, basic conditions, right? We've, we've got a welfare system at the moment that delays payment for five weeks and is putting people in debt cycles. Oh. We've got. Um, a, a poor provision of housing which mm. I've mentioned and a lack of job opportunities for people right and pathways to things like apprenticeships and uh, di- you know not just focusing on getting half the kids in the school to uni but focusing on what do the other half of kids do yeah. that don't want to go to uni a football team for example yeah can they yeah can they like are there other industries we can be training people for other skill sets we can be getting so mm. economic opportunity housing and obviously tackling the serious and, and, and then the last question you're probably going to have to put this before somewhere you mentioned that you're left yeah what's the difference between left and right just for those listening yeah I, I mean I don't know how how useful it is to still talk about left and right because there's so many things that go yeah, across it but it's a gen- as a general shorthand conservatives want to change less they want to conserve what we've got and evolve more slowly and I guess progressives want to want to believe in more sort of like more change and more systematic change. So people on the right, the, yeah, conservatives. They yeah, conservatives on the right, 
and then like the far left i guess is like socialism which is like Change we don't we think we think we need to replace the capitalist system for me i think that uh we need to fix the capitalism it's completely broken mm. but as a whole system in terms it of government uh, as a whole system we can fix it in a way that works for people so that's why i guess i'll be called sort of center left i'm not labor for that yeah. reason because labor is a socialist party that believes in like make, making the government run a lot more things i've i think the government shouldn't be involved in everything um but they could do more to intervene and support so mm. so you know they wanted to the government to run the trains they wanted the government to run water they wanted the government to run broadband they wanted the government to run all these other industries I think the solutions are sometimes about regulating markets better, providing more basic conditions, providing better public services. So a more balanced approach to to the government being involved and not involved. Superb. That's but, that's yeah. why. That's and then I conservative, mean. they think people. They think government should withdraw and that like society basically deals with itself. They yeah. rely on charities. They rely on goodwill of people. They rely on um, spend. And and the idea is that if you have less government involvement, we don't have to tax you so much. So their their perspective is, well, you uh, can keep your money and deal with yourselves, sort of thing. But I think I, I think I think that biases people that have got exactly. loads of money. Exactly. So yeah, that, so that's why I'm not a conservative as well. Yeah. And the Liberal Democrats are, you know, kind of got a, a balance of approaches where they they see oh, too naturally you'd say that. Yeah, <laughs> of course I say that, <laughs> but that is the reason I'm a Liberal Democrat because I think that we do need strong governments mm. doing stuff for people, but they shouldn't be trying to run too much because then their priorities and then lastly what was the whole new labor tony blair stuff why, why, why so actually new, new labor was when labor moved away from socialism and went a little bit closer to what i just described yeah now I, I don't i don't think i'm in too controversial when i say this but when i was 20 years old new labor were kind of finished in 2010 but mm. if i was 20 years old in 1997 i don't know whether new labor might have been attractive to me then in terms mm. of where my mm. where my things i mean the lib dems was obviously timing. still still yeah. in the same pl- yeah. place but i think new labor were kind of a little bit closer to what uh the liberal democrats are today but mm. um probably still with that more sort of government run streak yeah, than, yeah. than the lib dems would cool uh, perfect Thanks, man. Uh, any plugs or anything we can look up for any campaigns any events where can you find bobby d uh, you Any can find public me at Bobby underscore Dean on Twitter. Um, I haven't been tweeting as much lately as I used to. <laughs> yeah, um, get back on that you kind of get in and out of it because you feel like sometimes oh, you can get yeah. off it, can't you? Twitter's a mess right now, isn't it? Love Island is taken over. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, finished. No. Oh, you need to I've got a job. Yeah, I need to catch up on a couple. <laughs> I missed last week. I missed the weekends. Yeah? Um, but yeah, no. I, the only plug I'd give is to the mayoral candidate I'm working for, Siobhan Benita. This is somebody who, on this issue in particular was doing it before she was even being a candidate, you know? She was on this Youth Violence Commission, so listening to young cares, people, yeah. listening to the communities, listening to the experts, listening to the police, looking to the health professionals, trying to work out what to do, and she's got a plan. And as I said, Sadiq Khan's advisor mm. uh, on knife crime, mm. his name's Leroy Logan, quit Sadiq Khan's team to join Siobhan Benitez's scheme because she, she thinks mm. that she's got the answers on this. So I'm going to plug her and say, you should get her on here, actually. Yeah, we're more than happy, but, Siobhan, um, plug Leroy. her really. Yeah, she's the candidate you should vote for in the elections in May. That's my plug. Follow the podcast on My City Podcast, one word, everywhere. Uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes. Um, Castbox. Did I miss anything? Uh, no. Check out Twitter, me. Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. 
Sam underscore Aluka on everything. Quick plug for AFC Old Smiths. That's the club that Bobby started. I'm captain of the first team, if I do say so myself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and follow your boy Iray. Uh, follow me on um, Twitter at Iray Lewa, which is I R A Y L I W A. And follow me on Instagram at Iray.ae, which is I R E dot A E. Eventually they'll be the same, but I ain't got time for that yet. Um, uh, live show coming soon. Live show coming soon. Anything live else, Sam? Um, all good, man. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks, Bobby. Cheers. Cheers, mate.